Oh, good morning. I hope you all are doing well. I got a ringing in my ear right after I say a word, it'll ding or something. And I feel like I'm running backwards. It's good to have you with us today. I hope we discuss something to be of value to you. Uh, I want to talk about suicide, of all things to talk about, huh? Uh, suicide is a very complicated subject. It's uh, very painful to have to deal with. Uh, I've uh, had to deal with it several times in my life uh, with others. And um, it's, uh, it's very sad. It's very, very sad. Uh, as a noun, it's defined the act or an instance of taking one's own life voluntarily and intentionally. That's by uh, Webster. Uh, it's, it, to me, suicide's a hard subject to get your mind around when we start talking about the sanity or insanity of a person. At the time they commit suicide, uh, it's really a hard thing to try to figure out. Uh, but I think we can figure it out, at least in principle, anyway. According to uh, the CDC in 2020, there were 12.2 million adults who seriously thought about suicide. This is in the United States. 3.2 million adults made a plan what they were going, how they're going to carry out suicide. 1.2 million adults actually attempted suicide. But in the end, there were 45,979 people who died by suicide in the United States. That number uh, is very high, but in truth, it's higher in a lot of other countries uh, than it is here. I remember uh, in India, there were suicides all the time. Uh, one of the favorite ways to commit suicide was stepping out in front of a train. Uh, and it seemed like uh, we were always stopping because somebody had stepped out in front of a train. Uh, it's over there, I, at least in the tribal regions, it's uh, what most people consider the only way out of the life they're having to live. And uh, it's, it's, it's a terrible thing to try to consider how desperate a person has to be to end their own life. Uh, obviously, I've never been to that point yet, neither of you, or we wouldn't be here today. But uh, some people have had the misfortune of reaching their wit's end, I guess, and uh, ending their own life. It's a horrible thing. The suicide rates in the United States increased 36% uh, between the year 2000 and 2018. They declined 5% between 2018 and 2020. And since 2020 through 2022, they've increased again 4.5%. 
So we've kind of flattened off uh, for a few years, but most uh, experts can believe that suicide will again uh, start upwards. <clears throat> the suicides uh, per age group, I was surprised when I looked this one up. Again, this is CDC. Uh, the highest percentage, the age group that had the highest percentage of suicides was 85 years old and above. Uh, they had 20.9 out of every 100,000. Uh, I was surprised by that. And until you stop and think about it, uh, I suppose a lot of that has to do with uh, pain and suffering that an individual has to live with, uh, doctor-assisted suicide, or whatever you might want to call it. Uh, but there were a lot of folks, uh, 85 and above, who did commit suicide. Another group that was large, too large, uh, was 15 to 24-year-olds who came in at 14.2 uh, every 100,000. Uh, what, what is a 15-year-old doing ending their own life? How can that be? This child hasn't even started living yet, and they're already putting an end to it. What I don't understand. Uh, we were all, when we were teenagers, we all had bad days. We all had tough times. We all felt like our world was coming to an end. But, but suicide? My goodness, suicide? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's heartbreaking to, to consider all this. Teenage suicides are the ones that I understand the least, I suppose. Uh, got a broken heart from a little girl or a little boy over here and uh, end their life. How can that be? How can that be? Some of the causes of suicide, uh, some see suicide as an honorable way to terminate earthly existence. It's an it's a honorable act when a person does such a thing. In World War II, in the Pacific uh, War, uh, kamikaze, there were kamikaze attacks. These were people who uh, voluntarily flew their aircraft into ships, hopefully aircraft carriers, for the purpose of sinking those ships they would sacrifice their life for the sake of their comrades. You, know, you take out an aircraft carrier, you take out a lot of problems. Uh, I suppose I can understand that, uh, sacrificing your life to save the lives of others. But it was, uh, these, these kamikazes were, were very famous in Japan for what they had done for the people. Uh, there were bonsai charges this is when they got to the point when they they were going to lose the battle. There was no way around it. And they would put the bayonets on the end of the rifle, and they would simply charge the Americans and try to kill as many as humanly possible before they themselves were killed. It was all suicidal acts. Uh, more recently, what we have seen is uh, flying an airplane uh, into a high-rise building and ending the lives of people. In all these instances, people were committing suicide for a reason. They were going to um, 
further their cause, so to speak. And uh, that, I think, is a little understandable. But according to psychiatrist Kenshiro O'Hara, Japan's leading authority on the subject, suicide is an evidence of sincerity. This is the way they summarize it. When a Japanese mother decides to commit suicide, she usually first kills her children. This deed elicits praise since children are considered parts of their parents and to leave them motherless would be cruel. Be cruel to let the children live. It's a matter of love to terminate the lives of these children. That's the way uh, this man summarized suicide. I, I can't, I just personally, I can't see it that way, uh, but I suppose they got their own set of rules. <clears throat> Some see, su well, we just said that. Oh, I got that on there twice. In the United States, new rationalizations of suicide contribute to increase. And this is agreed upon by all people. Uh, life has been cheapened in a number of ways. Uh, we refer to it as death with dignity and patient-directed termination. I understand this. Living in pain uh, is not an easy thing to do. Uh, it doesn't afford you much of a future, at least not one you really care about much about living through. And uh, there's only one way out of it, it appears, and that's death. So death becomes something that you, uh, you might look forward to. As a matter of fact, I suppose the pain could become so bad that you do more than just look forward to it, you actually try to make it a reality. Uh, the human body uh, is capable of experiencing a, a great deal of pain, and a lot of people, sadly, have had to deal with that kind of pain. I've watched people in pain, and it's, uh, it's heartbreaking when you see someone in pain and you can't do anything to help them. You can't do anything to help them. And it's just, it just breaks your heart. And you, know, you, you pray to the Lord that something could happen that would ease their pain. Well, sometimes to the suffering person, there doesn't seem to be anything available other than death. So they make death happen. They look for assistance and sometimes they receive it and they terminate their own lives. I understand that and that makes suicide not look hardly as terrible to me. Modern humanistic influences have had a, a lot to do with the way we look at things today. It's one of the reasons I think there are so many shootings in New York Los Angeles, uh, people just shooting people for no good reason at all. I think life uh, has been cheapened uh, to the point, it doesn't seem like such a big deal. Uh, I killed an old man, so what? He didn't have much longer to live anyway. It's just, uh, just, it's just life. 
and it's not such a such a big deal. Uh, abortion, euthanasia, human experimentation, all these things cheapen life. They all make life look uh, less than what it is. The sanctity of life. It's hard to think about the sanctity of life when a person's having an abortion. Uh, and why? Well, to ease the load the mother's going to have to bear. It's best to end life. We terminate life for a number of reasons, and one of the problems, one of the feedbacks to that is the fact that life doesn't look so important any longer. What once was held up as something to be sanctified, now it's considered something to be taken out of the way if it's going to create problems for others. Various ideas and philosophies have also contributed to cheapening human life. Today there's, more popular than ever, the no God ideology that is held by many people. Uh, some people even mock the very idea of God. They live in a world where there is no God. Therefore, life becomes very cheap. Without God, life is very cheap because there's no real purpose to it. Well, they're never going to accomplish anything in their life. They, they don't have any intelligence. They don't have any artistic skills. You know, what are they really good for if a person can't contribute to the human race in some way or another? Or the hedonistic philosophy. Uh, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die or the no final judgment concept. When you take the final judgment out of your belief system, you have nothing to deter you from making bad decisions because there's nothing to fear in the last day. And without these ideas and philosophies that were once prevalent in our great culture, uh, without these, life has become very cheap to a good many people. Supposedly, there is nothing beyond death. When you die, you're as dead as a dog, and that's all that matters. Some false religions uh, contribute to the cheapening of life. Reincarnation, I think, is at the top of the list. It's a, it's a foolish idea that is actually believed, at least in some regard or respect, by 40% of the American population. They believe in some type of reincarnation. If life isn't going well, the ideal is, well, end it, put a stop to it and start again from the beginning. If this life isn't going too good for me, end it. I'll come back as someone else, and maybe I'll have a better life next time around. There are people who actually believe it, and worse, practice such thinking. The biblical view of suicide isn't too difficult to understand. Suicide has been seen as an unfavorable experience from the Bible. King Saul 
1 Samuel 31, 4 and 5, uh, he, being the coward he was, he terminated his own life, uh, Ahithophel. In 2 Samuel 17, 23, he also terminated his life. He might say bringing the house down. Zimri, the conspirator, afraid of what would come next, burnt the house down around himself. And then, of course, Judas Iscariot, Matthew 27, verse 5, the coward that he was. Too cowardly to look Jesus in the eye and say, I'm sorry. So he went out and he hanged himself instead. And all the instances of suicide that we see in the scriptures, they're always portrayed in the unfavorable light. Obviously, it appears that the Lord looks down on suicide. Why it is unacceptable? Well, the biblical view. First, suicide suggests man's autonomy. Psalm 100 and verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people. The Bible teaches that we are not autonomous creatures. The Bible teaches us that we belong to God. We are his. And as his, we have no right to take what is God's and to terminate its existence. I have no right to end my life because I belong to the creator who made me, who gave me life. In Ezekiel 18 and verse 4, Jehovah said, Behold, all souls are mine. And then he asked the question through Paul in Romans 9, 21, Does not the potter have power over the clay? Is it not up to God what shall become of me? Is that not his right? Is that not his decision to make? Sometimes we feel autonomous. The truth be told, we're not. God created us. And being that God created us, we belong to him. And he is the one who's supposed to direct our path. And some folks, of course, I think would laugh at the idea. But we must remember there is a day of judgment. And in the day of the judgment, we must give an account of the way we have lived. Whether we've done it rightly or poorly, we must give an account to Jehovah. <clears throat> Man's autonomy is denied by the very judgment itself. In John verse 12, verse, chapter 12, verse 48, the Lord said, the word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. I will be judged by the words of Christ. If I was to commit suicide, I will be judged by the one who thinks suicide is unacceptable. He doesn't want me to terminate my own life. 
He wants me to live as he's directed and live it out to the end. No matter how much pain one suffers, that doesn't give us the right to end our own life. We may want to. We may desire to do it. But we're going to have to face God in the end. And we're going to be judged, not by what we felt was the right thing to do, but by his very standard. And ending one's life is not the end of suffering. It's only the beginning. Because the worst is yet to come. If the thought ever crosses your mind, remember the day of the judgment when you will stand before God and be judged by the whole most holy being in existence. It's an unwise choice. I beg people with tears in my eyes not to take their life. And I couldn't persuade them otherwise. You, you think about it now. And make a decision before such a moment comes so there'll be no decision to be made at that time. Because by that time, there isn't much reasoning left. Secondly, life is a gift from God. A gift. God gave me life. He gave it to me for free. He gave it to me because he loved me. He knew me before I was. Warts and all, and he loved me anyway. He gave me life even though he knew there wasn't much there to love. But he gave me life anyway because he's the giver of life. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground, the body. And he breathed into his nostrils the breast of life, the spirit. And man became a living being. Man became man. He took the body, he took the spirit, he fused them together, and you have what we are. That was a gift from God. I've given gifts only to find out that my gift wasn't appreciated and it hurt my feelings. How much more, I wonder, would my rejecting of the divine gift hurt the feelings of God? Paul said in Acts 17 and 25, he gives to all life, breath, and all things. He gives. It's a gift. We know he gave Jesus so we could live again. He gave us life, and then he gave us another opportunity at life, and both of them were gifts.
Suicide violates the law prohibiting murder. Suicide can be defined as self-murder because it is. It's taking the life of an innocent person. What's wrong with this person? They're in pain. They feel like they're all alone in the world. There's nobody in the world that cares about them. They're down just as low as they can possibly go. And they feel like they deserve to die. None of those reasons would justify murder. The person who commits suicide is guilty of murder, self-murder, and we know that murderers won't fare well in judgment. And someone says, well, you're talking about the world to come. We're dealing with the world that is. We may be living in the world that is, but once a person pulls that trigger, they're in the world to come. We're only a step away from eternity. One very short step. And we don't want to step into eternity and have to face an angry God that is completely unacceptable. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God, there's the reason, in the image of God, he made man. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, one of the Ten Commandments, Moses wrote, you shall not murder. These, of course, were the words of Jehovah. Fourth, suicide is an act of selfishness. And it is. And it is. I remember a man, he was going to kill his wife because she couldn't get along without him. And he had cancer and would be dead within a year. So he was going to kill his wife so she wouldn't be by herself. It seems like a noble thought. But then he turned right around and he took his own life, which was an act of selfishness. His time for living wasn't up yet. The problem was he didn't want to face his children. He didn't want to go to court. He didn't want to spend time in jail. So in his mind, he would kill his wife, kill himself, and they could both bypass the pain of being alone. I can't judge either one, of course. I'm not God. But I've often wondered. I often wondered how the Lord judged him. Because he didn't just talk about it, he went through it. I don't know what goes on in people's minds. It's almost like talking to someone you don't know anymore. 
we have the responsibility of serving and glorifying Jehovah. In Ecclesiastes 12, 13, Solomon said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. This is our reason for being here. A person who commits suicide is a is a selfish person and it's uh, most unfortunate. It's our duty to help others. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, Jesus went about doing good for other people. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10, Paul says, we have therefore opportunity. Let us do good to all people, especially, especially to the house of faith. We're supposed to help people but we can't help people when we die. All we try to do is help ourselves before we die. And then we lose every opportunity we might have had after we're dead. Suicide isn't the Jesus thing to do. It's the very opposite of what Jesus did. None of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. Whether we live or whether we die, we do so in service to God. Suicide violates the principle of self-value. Paul said we're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. We ought to see potential value in ourselves. There is potential value in all of us. We ought to find out what that is and consider it and perfect it. But it's also very important that we not think too much of ourselves. We ought to love our neighbor as ourself. Matthew 22:39. Jesus is teaching, he implies, that we should love ourselves, And now that that's established, love your neighbor like you love yourself. We should love ourselves, and we do. I love myself enough, I wanna go be with God. I wanna spend eternity in heaven. I love myself so much that I'll follow the Lord to the best of my ability to ensure my salvation. I love myself so much that I can't even imagine myself going into a devil's hell. I can't even think of it, what it would be like. Because I love myself. So do you. It's not bad, that's good. That's the way we ought to think. If we understand God, and if we understand what God thinks about us, that's the way we shall think. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. If, if because of love I wouldn't hurt Christy over here, then it's going to be because of the same love that I won't hurt myself. It's only logical. 
to try to sustain my life rather than terminate it. But I heard someone says, everybody hurts, get over yourself. No matter where you look, you'll find someone hurting more than you do. No matter where you look, you'll find someone more alone than you are. Sometimes it seems as though we think we're all there is, and we're not. We're just one of the many. And we ought to think about those things from a proper perspective. Otherwise, we'll do something foolish, something we wouldn't otherwise do. Husbands are to love their own wives even as they love their own bodies or their own selves. Love your wife like you love yourself, Paul says. He knows we love ourselves. Dealing with a potential suicide. I don't know what to tell you on this one. Except to do what we should be trying to do all the time. Think, if you, if you know someone who's considering suicide, or maybe you think they're considering suicide, you should think. Think before you speak. Don't suppose you know what's going on in somebody else's mind. I promise you, you do not. Don't suppose you understand the way they think, because you can't. Without walking in that person's shoes, you have no idea what they're going through. You have to think. Think long and hard and be very careful. You have to empathize with a person. A person who feels lonely can be a very desperate person. There are varying degrees of loneliness. I've felt lonely before because nobody was at the house but me. But some people feel lonely because no one's in the world but them. They don't, they don't recognize any type of friendship whatsoever. I don't understand what that feels like. We need to think. We need to be very kind. All the time, be kind. Be kind. Don't mock. Don't make fun of. Don't say, I understand. I know what you're feeling. Be very kind and be very slow. Be prepared. Always be ready to give a defense. Well, always be ready to give a defense to someone whom you love or maybe just met who is standing on the verge of eternity. Be prepared. You know what you're going to do. You know what you're going to say. And say it. And do it. We are creatures of God. Life has a purpose. This is what I talk about when I talk to someone.
There's a reason why we're here. We have to find that reason to find happiness. We have to find that reason to have hope. We have to find out why we're here and then proceed cautiously. This person is of great value. You need to explain it to them because they probably feel like nothing. You've got to explain why they are of value because they're made in the image of God. Because Jesus Christ died so he would be in a position where they could be forgiven. As long as there is life, there's always hope. We can be forgiven of our sins. We can find pardon. Paul, Peter taught that in Acts 2.38. There is remission of sins for belief and baptism. And we can learn to cope in our new circumstances. Paul said, I have learned that in all things he could get along. I have learned how to adjust to my new circumstances. And we all can. Things are different. She's gone. She's never coming back. I can learn to live without her. Life is bigger than one person. Slowly but surely, step by step, there is hope after death because the best is yet to come. The best advice I can give you at a time like that is to get help. Realize this is above your pay grade and get help because it just might be that this person may not live long if you don't look behind the right door. And then you have to live with that. If you contemplate suicide, stop thinking about that. You know it's wrong. You know it's wrong. Don't even think about it. Jesus said a person can't commit fornication in their mind because they're thinking on the wrong thing. Well, the same is true about suicide. When we think on something too much, that thing may become a part of who we are. Don't entertain those kinds of thoughts. And if you notice somebody who is, see if you can find them help. We are our brother's keeper. And we need to do the best we can to help people enjoy a better life. If you're here today, if you are not a Christian, well, I guess as I've been beating around the bush on all morning, is the fact that you are of value 
and you are here for a reason, and that is to come to know God as your Father, the Father of spirits, who loves us and who wants us to experience the most abundant life possible. We are to believe in Jesus as the solution to our problems, repent of our sins, confess him before men, be immersed into water with him for forgiveness of sins. As children of God, we have an obligation. We're not just here because we're pretty, but there's something we're supposed to accomplish while we're here. I have my task and you have yours. Find out what your task is and do it the best you know how. Sometimes we, we fail for a lot of different reasons. Sometimes we need the prayers of one another to pick us up and help us go on. 